But I can tell you, like, looking back, no one ever sat with me. They just was like, yeah, come and share. No one ever sat with me and said, hey, this is how this works. This is how you do this. These are the tools. No one ever did that. All I was really, I mean, I used to be a, and this was back when 56K modem was out, right? So you tie up the phone line, and I used to be just on Blue Letter Bible, like constantly just listening to a word, digging in a word like that at night. But no one ever showed me, hey, this is how you draw out an outline or any of that. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 110. Thanks for joining us. Here at the Expositors Collective, we do all that we can to help you grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's Word. And this week on our podcast episode, it's a conversation recorded last year between Nick Cady and Pastor Ray Dash from Newark, New Jersey. This has been incredibly like enjoyable to listen to. I, I have the highest respect for both of these gentlemen, and to hear them talking back and forth is going to be a real treat for all of us. Uh, they speak about Ray's call to ministry, um, some ways that he has grown, and also some strong, compelling reasons why you should start working on your sermon at the beginning of the week and not leave it until Saturday. Okay, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to chime in once more at the end of this episode. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. This is Nick Cady, and I am here today with Pastor Ray Dash. Hey, Ray, thanks for being with us. What's up? What's up? We're in Aurora, Colorado right now, studios of Grace FM at Calvary Aurora. They're super gracious to us. They've let us record here lots of times. Mm -hmm. But uh, Ray, you're the pastor of the Rock Christian Fellowship in Newark, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you could just fill us in a little bit, our listeners, on your ministry, what you do. Okay. So um, we started um, a little over... 12 years ago, and we started in the two worst projects of Newark at the time, um, gang-related community, um, people down and out, uh, poverty, crime, high, and so forth. Um, So Newark's um, an interesting city, a population shy, just shy of 100, I'm sorry, 800,000. And so it's a big city. It's actually the largest city in New Jersey. Mm. It's actually where Jonathan Edwards ordained David Brainerd. Wow. Incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. In Newark. Uh, in Newark. Wow. I would yep. have the never church known is still that. standing. Wow. Yeah. Um, is it occupied? It's the first church in, in New Jersey, they call it. And it's wow. three, over 350 years old. Wow. Yeah. And so, like, great old time stuff in Newark, but, you know, things have happened throughout the years. And it's, you know, in a place right now where it's revitalization, revitalization or whatever, but um, very intense. And so when we started 12 years ago, it was worse. Wow. But um, we're still engaged with a lot of our grassroots stuff. Um, The Lord has taken us back to that, even though there's a lot more going on. Just a lot of that, just roll up your sleeves and get it in with the community. And so that's very, very important to us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just 
Sunday morning, see you at church. It's not happening. You got to meet yeah. people in the community, build relationships, mm-hmm. trust wall barriers coming down. And then four years ago, my family and I <laughs> did this crazy thing and moved right on the property. Yeah. So we were living about 15 minutes away, total different context. Mm. And um, God called us to live right on site. And so the ministry has even changed since then because we used to lock the gates and go on to our life, right? Yeah. Um, and then come back. But you So know. you're you're in the city. Do you got people knocking on your door? Sometimes, yep. And we have a bunch of bunch of kids. So we still look at our church, even though it's an active church, it's really a mission. Mm. And it really is. Like, um, you know, the the church it's not at a place where it's self-sustainable going that way. So we're, we're like American missionaries. Um, we have tons of kids knocking on the door. We kind of set boundaries with the adults, mm-hmm. but the kids in the community, you know, we're feeding them. You know, there's times we clothing them. Yeah. You know, I just before I left, I showed up to an event, you know, with one of the kids in the community. A couple of the kids were performing at the school. And they're like, Pastor Ray, you going to be there? Because it's like I'm dad in the community as well, you know, to a lot of fatherless children. And so it's like an orphanage in a lot of ways. And we just, we can't let them live with us right now in the way that things are set up. But um, I tell you, it's it's everyday church. It's community. Um, And that's what I really believe in. I believe the churches should be more than just Sunday yeah, I mean, I, I I get it. It's where we're at, right? And, yeah. But it's it's community, mm-hmm. and building community with people um, is so much more than just Sunday. Yeah. So, so what's interesting about this episode, right? This is actually take two <laughs> because uh, there was another interview with mm-hmm. you that was taken for the podcast with right. Mike Neglia, David Guzik. Yep. It was taken in uh, Howell, New Jersey, because yep. we were there together mm-hmm. in Howell for the Expositors Collective. That's right. In New Jersey, which was awesome. And uh, and then afterwards, I remember uh, Mike, you know, was excited. You guys are going upstairs. You're going to record. And then he tells me afterwards, he's like, I think the thing pulled out yeah. at the Somebody last came minute. in the office and pulled out. Yeah. Yeah. The cord. So yeah. this is take two. Um, but yeah, it was great having you in New Jersey. It was great being on the East Coast with the Expositors yeah, Collective. It's a blessing. Yeah. I tell you, it's, it's a blessing to be asked a second time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we had the opportunity. That doesn't yeah, always happen. Good. So yeah, yeah, so you know, Ray, maybe tell us a little bit about your background getting into ministry. Like, um, you know, what did you do before you were in Newark? Mm-hmm. So um, I got saved back in '98 in Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge, with Pastor Lloyd Pulley, and. Um, that ministry was just really a blessing to my life and still is. And so um, back in 98, I just really uh, responded to the gospel. But what I learned early on there was that this was my schoolhouse. I had grew, I grew up in New York City between Harlem and the Bronx. And what I had seen was a lot of churches in a community, but I never was exposed to the expositional teaching of the word anywhere that I've gone and then found myself at 22 years old in this church and they're teaching straight through the word. And I'm just like, wow, I'm learning things. You know, I'm convicted by things growing in these things. My life's being transformed. And so, um, 
got involved with serving. And all I used to do really was hang out at the high school ministry, vacuuming. They used to bust these kids in from the, the, um, Perf Amboy is the town, like a, you know, urban area. And they used to bust these kids in and that would be my lane. Like I was working with a lot of those kids coming in and just vacuuming the floors at the end of the day and, and enjoying this time, um, with the young people. And then, um, that pastor, went on the mission field and they asked me, I don't know what gave them this great idea. <laughs> they asked me to, would I be willing to step in and intern in the position of this high school ministry and lead it? And I'm so, like, whoa. So like, that was big. So what was your first, when was your first time preaching a message, giving a sermon or, or a Bible study? So there was a time in the high school ministry I I had given you know, testimony. I think I had filled in and taught. But I can tell you, like, looking back, no one ever sat with me. They just was like, yeah, come and share. No one ever sat with me and said, hey, this is how this works. This is how you do this. These are the tools. No one ever did that. All I was really, I, I mean, I used to be a, and this was back when 56K modems was out, right? So you tie up the phone line. And I used to be just on Blue Letter Bible like constantly just listening in a word, digging in a word like that at night. But no one ever showed me, hey, this is how you draw out an outline or any of that. So I remember um, <clears throat> when I took over the high school ministry, first of all, no, that's, I forgot about this part. I started teaching the fifth graders okay. at Old Bridge yeah. on Sundays on a rotating schedule, Right. And I was really impressed because a lot of those fifth graders knew their Bible at that time more than I did for sure. Wow. They knew Old Testament stories. You know, it was just incredible to see such a culture develop there like that. And and these kids had personal devotional um, lives at in fifth grade. And I'm just impressed by that. Right. Um and so that stirred me like, man, you ain't getting that word, like, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so um, by the time I'm doing the high school thing, um, you know, I, I guess I'd grown. And at that time, I used to write all over my Bible and just draw lines and, mm. and just preach whatever I saw. But someone heard me and they pulled me to the side and said, hey, I listened to your tapes and I realized, like, you, 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 you got, you know, you, if I had something on a note here mm -hmm. and I started speaking on that and then I just went on a tangent, I had no way to get back home. Yeah. Right. And then they started walking me through how to write up a basic, you know, how to t write down notes and so forth. And it was a challenge for me mm -hmm. to teach from notes because I had done that for so long, just circling things and just going these things. And some people can do that, and they do it well, and they have an outline in their mind, and it works well. But what I found that for myself, it's, it really helped me to start disciplining myself to draw out notes and mm -hmm. teach from that. And there's times when you speak, but at least to have that framework in your heart and mind, like, this is where I want to communicate with the people. This is what God has given me, and um, go forward from there. And so early on was crazy. I remember one time my pastor walked in. I'm teaching these high schoolers. He must have knew that I must have sounded like I had marbles in my mouth 
you know, for the five minutes he stood there and left. <laughs> like, yeah. this is terrible. We got to get this guy out of this thing. Oh. But it was, yeah. So how yeah. did you How did you feel? I mean, were you happy to have somebody come in and say, hey, let me help you get some structure to what you're doing? I mean, because in a way, that person's affirming you, right? They're saying, you've got great content. you got great thoughts. The Lord's blessing you. He's anointing you, gifting you. Now let's just you know, make it a little tighter so that you're more effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, was that uh, something that was hard for you to hear and receive or was it something that you were happy for? No, I, I, I embraced it right away because it was really like, I think like if I'm remembering correctly, it was the first time. So somebody at one time walking in the hallway has said, oh, this is what you do, OIA, observation, interpretation, application. But they didn't break it down like if I would have took, say, like Dan Frimfrock's whole course you know, at that time, then I would understand what OIA, it was just like, yeah, take this, look, this is what you're supposed to do. I don't know what that means. I, I got it. You know, I can tell you, hey, you know, one little simple thing, but to sit down with me and break it out. So I embraced that right away, um, understood, you know, and I knew that, hey, things were going to change in the respect of like, I'm not just going to be drawing lines and talking from that, but there'll be something there. I, I started to understand that as we we actually went through breaking out the book of Titus mm. and just little by little, and we'd show up every week, and I would go home, work with it, and so I, I learned. Yeah, that's really valuable because, I mean, I think a lot of us, myself included, right, it was kind of like you learn it um, just intuitively. You watch what this guy does or you listen to this person and you figure, okay, well, they seem to have some, you know, points or maybe they just go ramble on some verses or something. Mm-hmm. And we kind of figure it out along the way. I mean, that's kind of the heart, the whole heart between behind Expositors Collective mm-hmm. is like, Let's let's let some people behind the curtain, right? Let's right. bring them in and show them, hey, here's how I do this. Here's mm-hmm. why I do this. Here's some things I've learned along the way. Right. And it sounds like you had somebody like that in your life. I, I know I did in mine as well, and uh, super helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Helps mm-hmm. you get get going. Right. So yeah, that's really cool. So um, what I was going to ask you is this: so Old Bridge, that's is that that's more like a suburban setting, is that right? Oh yeah. It's- um, it's predominantly white church. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's now you're in in Newark, which is an urban setting. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, you know, what's what's unique about Newark, and how does that uniqueness affect the way that you preach? Okay. So when I first started, right, um, going forth, being sent out, and then saying, "Man, I, I'm taking what I learned." here right and so what i began to do is teach very similar to the people i listen to right and so um even though i had a passionate heart i think a lot of the prep was being sharp like this is right information right and so like i'm gonna make sure i got the right information whoever's sitting here listening is going you know, we're going to know that it's truth, right? Mm-hmm. And so I taught in such a way that, you know, theologically we were sound, doctrinally we were sound. But after some time, I realized people were eating it up and they were enjoying it and so forth like that. You know, sometimes it may have been a little over the head, but overall God was using it. But I started to realize that I needed to 
maybe bring the cookies down on the shelf a little bit, yeah. right? And so that everyone could eat. And then not only that, but how does the person that is, you know, so far removed from the word, you know, what does this mean for them today? Mm-hmm. Right? Because, you know, I'm giving you historical background, Greek, Hebrew, but nobody in their day-to-day walk cares about that. Or what I've also discovered is people hide behind that. Mm -hmm. So they know a lot, but where's the depth in their own life, right? So I can quote to you Psalms 119, you know, massive amount of verses, but am I living Psalms 119? Where's my life at? And so I'd rather memorize one verse or know how to walk out one verse than to memorize this information Mm. and my life is not just at that place. And so I started to see being around the culture and so forth. Oh, you know this stuff, but you're not living that, Mm. right? And that's not for everyone, obviously, but there were certain ones I'm like, oh, no. And then with people that I was engaging with was like, oh, if I... Oh, what do you mean by that? So we assume, right? Or like we'll stay in the pulpit. We, we say this a lot, right? Oh, um, you know the story. Yeah. Everybody, that's an assumption. Yeah. Everybody doesn't know the story, right? Oh, no, I'm trying to provoke you to go look at the story. No, they just got insulted because they don't know the story and they just got offended that you assumed I know the story, but you really don't. Or you assume that everybody in the room knows the story and then all of a sudden they feel like, well, maybe I'm not a part of this. A part of this. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. So I pulled away from saying I said it today at the pastor's thing because they should know the story, yeah, right? But I'll say that on Sundays and stuff because we don't know. So Pastor Lloyd, I mean, I, I heard that he has a engineering degree. Is that right? Yeah, he so, went to Michigan State. Right. So I mean, he's right. uh, and he and the the people he's speaking to, mm-hmm. different contexts than than the people that you moved to in Newark. Mm-hmm. So you know. That, yeah. uh, you're saying that's effective. Yeah, so I think he left Michigan State before he, f- I don't know if he finished it, but that's where he was taking up an engineering okay. degree. And so, um, yeah, the the audience mm-hmm. is totally different in Old Bridge as you're sitting there communicating. I love this, and this is what I had to learn for myself. I love sitting under this. I love taking it in. I love, you know, listening to Pastor Dave Goose. I love listening to Pastor Joe, Pastor Ed, you know, Damien Kyle, man, I love this stuff. But then I had to redirect how I communicated to others. Mm-hmm. So I used to be very verse heavy. Mm-hmm. Now I have a restriction on how many verses. If I see that my notes have more than a certain amount of verses in a message, I start taking them out. Wow. Because, you know, just a bunch of cross Hey, okay, yeah, this supports what you're communicating, but more so, how do I put this in a in effect in my life today, yeah. right? How do I pray that in? How does this fit for me today? And I think it settles with people. So me, I, give me a lot of verses. Yeah, yeah. I love it, Yeah, right? But for the person, I'm, my audience, people I'm standing for. And then now it's trickier because now we have a widespread people that they want to roll up their sleeves and mm. get in the word, mm. right? But then you have the person that, we have people in our church that don't know how to read, mm-hmm. right? And then we got the person that will Google me as I'm saying something, right. as I'm teaching, right? So you have that diversity, 
But then, all right, how do we bring it together so that everyone can communicate? And that's where I, like the Holy Spirit just has to give me that week in and week out. Um, yes, I have, you know, the notes or whatever, but how does this apply where we all can see it? And then like different, you know, outlets. So now you got streaming, mm -hmm. right? And so you're on live streaming. Well, the context I'm in, if I just speak to the audience, how about the person that's streaming from the suburbs? How does that fit for them? Yeah. I need to be considerate of that. Yeah, so one of the things that we say at Expositors Collective is like that effective preaching comes from two loves, love for God mm -hmm. and love for your people that you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you're describing here is yeah. like to love these people who are listening to you mm -hmm. means speaking to them where they're at. Right. You know, it's funny. I was telling you a little bit earlier, but when I lived in Hungary, we planted two churches mm -hmm. and they were like, they're half an hour away from each other, but they were night and day, mm -hmm. right? So the one church we planted in um, kind of real sophisticated college town where we lived in uh, the city of Eger, you know, and it was, you know, this is one of the cities that they're most proud of. It's beautiful. People are highly educated. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we'd have church in the morning in Eger, you know, and it's, it was all white Hungarians. And then we would go in the evening to this other town called Hevesh. And, uh, you know, it was about 50 kilometers away, half an hour or so drive. And, um, totally different. I mean, like, first of all, the majority of the people there are dark-skinned gypsies. Many of them can't read. You know, many of them, I mean, just a totally different world. And you have to speak to them differently and um, in order to, to love them, right, in order to speak to them and help them understand God's Word, because that's the point. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, you know, in Eger, I would teach with notes, you know, real, like, definite outlines and stuff like that. In Hevesh, I'd speak without notes, look a lot of people in the eye. That was mm -hmm. really important to them, mm -hmm. the authenticity. Mm -hmm. And uh, and a lot more, you know, maybe a little bit more application, helping them apply the word to their lives. Because, you know, people who maybe went to university, they're used to book reports. They're used to that right. kind of stuff. And and these guys aren't. Right. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because the people at the church will say, like, oh, man, we really appreciate you give us an outline. But those are people that have been in school, right. do that. The person that never been yeah. in school, they just like, all right, what, what, what's hitting me today, right? Yeah. And so I, I've given outlines and built upon that throughout the years because it helps the person that that is from that background. It gives them the structure how to follow me, right? Mm -hmm. As I'm communicating God's heart, right? The other person doesn't care. Like they may take the note, or they write down the outline, remember it, whatever. It doesn't matter. So. I'm meeting yeah. both parties, if that, if you may. Yeah. So um, here's one thought I had for you is this. what what uh, What's your format through the week? I mean, you said you're, you do a ministry all week long, right, now that you're living at a church property. So what does that look like for you? Do you have a structure to your week? What's your, what's your format for sermon preparation? Yes. So <clears throat> on – so I, I run a Sunday to Thursday week and then a half a day on Saturday, right? So what I do is Sunday is teaching, right? Church, we have meetings, couples meetings afterwards, leadership meetings afterwards, um, depending. Um, there's a Sunday or two where we take community kids out and just um, take them out to eat, take them out to other environments where it's not just your same kind of thing, get to see the world a little bit more. 
And so we do that on Sunday. Monday, what I do is I come in and just um, pray and prep just my heart overall. Just, God, you know, these are the things that we've seen yesterday. These are the things you were communicating. God, these are the people. And just lift up my heart throughout the day in respect to him, right? And then Tuesday I write, outline, you know, I want to get as much as I can, just me and the word on paper or on tablet, right? And then on um, Wednesday, on Wednesday, I meet with people. So I do this one-on-one uh, -on -one discipleship with guys, building with them. And then Thursday, I do the same kind of stuff. Thursday nights, we have a service that uses the message that I taught on Sunday as a catalyst for our time of discussion and prayer. Um, and so we've been putting a big emphasis on prayer and just lifting up our hearts before the Lord in that respect on Thursday nights. And then Friday, I date my wife, mm. right? And then Saturday, um, we are um, hanging out with the family, whatever was going on there, and then I'll use half of that day to prep and mm. so forth. But I also help basketball, coaching the school basketball team across the street, you know, mentoring young boys in the school. So we have this at-risk um, mentoring program for fourth and third and fourth graders um, in the school that I'm a part of. And then um, and just the day-to-day -day stuff around the community, you know, I'm walking in the neighborhood, engage yeah. with people. So it's, it's constant because we're right there. Kids of, come over our house after school. They eat dinner, you know, mm -hmm. any given time. You know, stuff like that. Does most so. of your congregation live nearby? So there are commuters. So I would say we're probably about right now 55 to 60% community. Mm -hmm. If you count the kids, we have tons of kids that come without their parents. But I would say about 50, 55 um, are from the local area. Whether yeah. it's across town, we have a church van that picks up people, and then the rest are commuters. So yeah. it's it's a, it's a probably about five six cultures in our church, mm. um, which is I don't I don't know how it happened. Just yeah. God's doing that, and so it's cool. been really cool to see that. So. Now, Ray, I remember you were bivocational for a while, right? You yes. were working full time. Yes. How long have you been full time at the church? So um, the church still doesn't generate enough resources for me to do this full time. Mm -hmm. So I am as a missionary supported, yeah. right? Um, so I've been doing this full time for four years. Mm -hmm. And four years? Yes, four years. Four years, yep. And so, um, yeah, we get support from different places, and that's how I get to do this full time. Um, other than that, I'd still be a tent maker and doing bivocational. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of our audience, honestly, is people who are maybe they're teaching um, a youth group and they're working full time. Mm -hmm. Or maybe some of them are pastors who mm -hmm. work full time or part time. What advice would you give as far as like preparation and things like that from somebody who's who's been there? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, first of all, I say when you, you, by God's grace, when you get off the wheel, and you, you know, because life gets and ministry gets busy again as if it was before. But I was a father, husband, right? Father of four, 
you know, working full time and doing ministry. And one of the things I would say that I would do differently was so I would read, you know, prep, stuff like that. What I'm saying is I would recommend doing that earlier in the week Mm -hmm. than later in the week. That was one of the biggest things I think I changed when I did went full time. But I would do that even looking back. If I did it again, I would prepare earlier in the week. And the reason why is because you never know what's coming at the end of the week. Yeah. Right. And and so I used to take Saturday nights and and this is the thing, man. Like so like I would take a Saturday night, I'd have things, you know, outlined, nude, certain things, but now I didn't start writing until Saturday night when everybody was pretty much going to bed. I'm up three, four in the morning, turn around, you know, get back in the building. So now people are asking me things and I'm not realizing it for a while. People were asking me things, and I'm like, yeah, sure. But I'm not really <laughs> alert, and I'm not – I don't yeah. drink coffee on Sunday mornings, you know, so it's not – that's not my pickup. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, I've seen how this is dangerous, <laughs> man, <laughs> to people's lives, man. Yeah. And so um, I would definitely go earlier yeah. and have that done because you never know what the end of the week has sure. for you. So, yeah, just wrapping up, uh, you know, with all your experience, your advice, you know, what what have you learned and what advice would you give to young men and women getting started in teaching the Bible or preaching? Right. So early on, when I had the right information, right, I think God, I can say for myself, has brought me to a place where, I, yes, I want to have the right information, but I want to have the right preparation of heart and mind because there's people that God puts in front of us. Or maybe you never see, but God's going to use whatever voice he has given you with whatever opportunities to speak to people. And I want to have a heart that is speaking his heart because he knows the people that are that are going to hear this, right? And so, yes, I want to prepare, have the outline, have the structure, understand, you know, hey, story in the beginning, helpful, all of that. But to be able to be in a place where God, more than the story I give, more than the illustration, God, will you speak to these people? And preparing a heart more than listening to others that have gone before us that we really honor and respect, appreciate it. But there's something in God's call for your life that he's given you that only you can reach that individual, that person. And so having that heart like, God, you placed me here. You didn't call them. And I don't want to be regurgitating the information they gave me, you know, because they're speaking to the context that they're in. Yeah. Right. And that might not fit where we're, where God has you, wherever you are. So if you listen to me and you just regurgitate, well, I I might be talking to a total different kind of people, right? right. But God has something for you. It, you can glean, but then how do you execute yeah. in what God has given you? And yeah. so I think early on, I, I was so concerned, like, yo, I want to be right. Mm-hmm. God had called me. I want to be right. I don't know where this is going. I want to be right. And God said, no. You know, in first, I think it's first Timothy, second Timothy, right? It's talking about some, um, you know, that be, uh, what is, 
prepared. I'm drawing a I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Yeah. So first, I mean, second Timothy. Right. No. So. So he's saying, present yourself a, a worker rightly dividing the word of truth, right? And yeah. so in, in 2 Corinthians 2, 15, right? So you see that, right? But it says there, present yourself to God, mm-hmm. right? So I want to be approved to God, right? Not who's hearing me say these things the right way. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm approved. I, I approve of that, that exposition of that. okay. But am I approved to God? And how do you approve yourself to God? Having the right heart, because a lot of people are given the right information, but their heart may not be in the right place. So I'm approved to God when he knows that I labored in prayer. He knows that I labored in preparation. I'm not just being lazy and just wanting to just say whatever. No, God's prepared my heart. He's prepared a word and he's given me that. And now I'm approved before him. And if anybody else says, oh, this is terrible or whatever else. Hey, God knows that I have prepared in the background before I've gone before the people. And so that's just been my heart. Cool. That's a good word, Ray. So how can people find out about your ministry, follow you? Yep. So um, the Rock Christian Fellowship. So the the website is um, The Rock Newark, N-E-W-A-R-K. Dot org and then um, on the podcast the same thing it's the Rock Christian Fellowship as well as um, we have a little podcast Rock with Jesus which is our radio ministry or you can go to the website rwjradio.com Wow. So thanks for listening all the way to the end. Uh, Thanks for Nick for asking such good questions. Thanks to uh, Ed Taylor and Calvary Aurora for letting us use their recording equipment. And of course, uh, thanks to Ray for sharing from his life, for bringing us on the path of uh, what God has done in him and through him to bring him to this point. Okay, so uh, moving forward, uh, I really want to encourage you to do two things. Uh, Number one, make sure that you are actually um, subscribed uh, to this podcast. It's uh, it's free and it makes sure that the episodes get delivered to your phone or to your device every Tuesday. And here's the reason why you want to be subscribed, because uh, next week, is gonna be great as well. Uh, Next week, it's a conversation that I have with uh, Pastor Sam Gerard from Calvary Chapel uh, Freiburg in uh, Germany. And uh, we talk about uh, liturgy, Uh, liturgy on the small scale. How can we incorporate liturgical elements into our Sunday services, but also liturgy on the big scale, as in how can the church calendar inform the shape and the tone of our gatherings. And so I'm going to leave you with a little clip that will remind you to make sure that you listen to the next episode, episode 111. All right, have a great week. Yeah, I think these things have to be reintroduced in, 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 a, in, a, in a pastorally sensitive way. Yeah. Because a lot of people, um, you know, have had negative experiences with um, a really rigid liturgy and, and dead orthodoxy. Yes, yes. And it's important that often the terminology, even saying something like Lent, I know might scare some listeners. So yeah. it's, it's, you've got to fill it with gospel content. 
Well, if that kind of uh, piques your interest, well then do make sure that you are subscribed and that you listen to our next episode, 111 with uh, Sam Gerard. All right, thanks so much. I hope that this and all that we do helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word.